0: That's a that's a stiff cocktail. That is
1: true. You're listening to the Nacho Kids Podcast, where we discuss all things step family related, real stories, real people, real help. Your hosts are the creators of the Nacho Kids Method and the Nacho Kids Academy Step Family Coaching Team, Lori and David Sims.
2: Hello, David. Hey, honey. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? Doing well. I'm doing well
3: why you do that all the
2: time. I don't know. I like it.
3: Okay. Is that your, that's your fancy voice. hmm Okay.
2: Doing well. Doing well.
3: You can be fancy.
2: I can be fancy.
3: <laughs> all right. So I got an announcement to make. Let's go ahead and get it over with. Go ahead. Because you're going to fall out when I say this.
2: I'm about to fall out already.
3: <laughs> I want to run a contest on the podcast. Okay. okay. And so we'll put it in a Facebook group and we'll put it everywhere else. And, and probably by the time people hear this, some of the people that Follow us already know about it. So, so I'm throwing it out there. So as we're recording, because you know, we record a few weeks ahead.
2: Please tell me it's not a Nacho cruise.
3: Uh, that's a great idea. We're not there yet. <laughs> okay, no, it's not there. All right, here we're gonna do. Okay. So I'm ready. So the one thing that we need is we need reviews and we need ratings because that's what pulls the podcast up in the ratings and helps other people find it. And we want to help as many people as we can. And the easiest way to do that is to, to make it visible so that people find it. Okay. All right. So I want people to go and rate and review the podcast. Now, iTunes is still the number one search engine for podcasts. So obviously that's the place that's best to do it. So if you can go to iTunes and leave a rating and review, then it's outstanding. There are other places you can leave ratings and reviews, uh, and those are okay as well. But if you can do iTunes, that's what we really want. So, go leave a five star review and, and not just a rating, but a review. So, leave a sentence or a paragraph about why you like the podcast
2: or how awesome Lori is and David's not.
3: I, I said leave an honest review. <sighs> so, <laughs> all right. So, I want people to do that. Now, listen, th- this is the thing a couple things here. Both of them you're going to fall out on. This is my goal. I want a thousand rating and reviews. Why not a thousand and seven? Because I like numbers in and zero. <laughs> I don't know. All right. I don't. So, a thousand, a thousand reviews. That's crazy. That's like, you shouldn't even be asking for that many crazy, but I think that our community can do it. I think that they can pull together and make that happen. And for doing that, we're going to give away memberships to the Nacho Kids Academy.
2: Okay. Well, let's back up a second. All right. I just had to pick my jaw up off the floor. <laughs> how are we going to know that they leave a rating?
3: How do we? Okay. So, how do they get their name in the pot? Yeah. Okay, so obviously they have to leave a rating and all, and all the time we're not going to know who that is because it's some cryptic name or whatever right. because it's like a username. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to create a, a form that people can go to. It'll be nachokids.com slash review. A form? And it'll be a form okay. there. So they go in and they fill out the form and hit submit. So whatever is in that form, just fill it out. And i ask you who you are, your email address, what? You know, where did you leave the review and what was the, what was the review? That way we can verify it. Mm-hmm. And then your name goes into
2: the pot. And after we get that, reach a thousand comments. When we
3: hit a thousand comments.
2: We will draw a name out of a pot. We
3: are drawing three names. Three names. Three, not one, but three names. Okay. Out of the pot.
2: And we'll contact them via email if they win. Yep. We'll also announce it on social media. Yep. Airware. Okay. I'm getting excited.
3: We're well, we going to get a blimp with their name on it.
2: No, we're not doing <laughs> all that. All right. So, how what, how are we going to give away a month? No, no, no. I don't want to do a month.
3: No, that's not enough. No. I want to do, you said three? Give away three winners. Yes, three winners.
2: Three winners. Let's do three months, six months, and nine months. No, no, no. Let's do three months, six months, and 12 months. Oh, okay. Yeah, that way there's a full year in there.
3: All right. All right, so they get a quarter of a year, a half a year, or a whole year. Yeah. All right, that's good. I like that. All right. All right, so there you go.
2: And if they're already a member, they can add that to their current membership or yep. they can donate it to somebody and we can work with them on that.
3: That's a great idea because you know, everybody typically knows other people that need it. So, And we and we all the time see people inside the Facebook groups that are like, man, I'd love to join the Academy, but you know, I can't for whatever reason. There's always a number of reasons. So this gives people an opportunity to get a membership to the Academy, get the step family help they need. All they have to do is just rate and review the podcast. Takes two minutes at the most. I'm game. All right. That's what we're going to do.
2: And we'll keep this going until we get a thousand. And then we'll get Jackson or somebody to draw three names out of a pot.
3: That, that or we just throw the names in a computer and it'll spit some out.
2: Wow. You going to type all those names in there? That's oh, wow. They're a-
3: submitting them. Okay. Because never it's going to throw mind, it into mind. a spreadsheet automatically. Okay.
2: I'm just making Leave sure. Leave the
3: technology up to me.
2: I will. Okay. <laughs> I'm excited about the contest, but let's talk about this podcast okay. episode.
3: All uh, right. Let's talk about the episode.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, y'all. Podcast episode, same difference to me.
3: Let's talk about the show. The show. Who's on the show today?
2: Today is Victoria.
3: <gasps> She's got a secret.
2: David. <laughs> All stepmoms have secrets.
3: I know, but they don't have Victoria's (laughs) (laughs) secrets. But you do. I've seen it.
2: Yes. (laughs) This is the. uh, Why are you turning uh, red? Stop. Why are you turning red? This is the first (laughs) podcast recording episode, whatever you'll call it, that I did without you. I know. So it may not be as entertaining.
3: Well, maybe. I think you'll do fine.
2: We'll see. All right. All right. I'm telling you a little bit about Victoria before we go in. Okay. She had a stepmom, Mm -hmm. her stepmom and her were really close. All right. She considers her a mom. She calls her mom, I believe. And so when she came into her own stepmother role, mm-hmm. she thought that it would mimic that one.
3: All right.
2: No, boy.
3: It didn't work, huh?
2: No, 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 no. Mm. So you just have to listen. Okay. All right. All right.
3: Well, let's hear a word from our sponsor, then we'll take a listen.
1: Take a listen. There is a way to save your sanity and your relationship, and it's called the Nacho Kids Academy. In the Nacho Kids Academy, you will learn the skills and knowledge to properly nacho, techniques to handle step-family challenges, ways to improve your communication, and much, much more. Visit nachokidsacademy.com and sign up today to join other step-parents who are seeing the life-changing benefits of nachoing. Again, that's nachokidsacademy.com. We would like to
2: welcome Victoria to the Nacho Kids podcast. How are you today, Victoria? I'm doing great. How are you, Lori? Doing well. So tell us about your blend.
0: Oh gosh. So, um, we're going on, um, nine years as a blended family. So we made it past that seven year mark. <laughs> <Woo-hoo>! <laughs> yes. yes celebrate, big girl. <laughs> um, nine years of, uh, lots of trial and error. But, um, so I, uh, um, I have um, a bio son who is now 20, and um, his father and I split, um, gosh, in like 2009, and about six months later, I reconnected with uh, my old college boyfriend. Um, That's so sweet. Yes, (laughs) I know, so... It sounds like a fairy tale. It really does. But when people kind of peel back the layers of what we've been through, <laughs> some more would be uh, like, a, like a Grimm's tale. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. A little bit dark.
3: <laughs>
0: Anyhow. Yeah. Um So, uh, my son was probably about 10 at the time and, um, and my old college sweetheart, he had, uh, two kids who'd been separated for two years and his children were almost four years old, about three and a half and six years old. And in the early years, um, it's, you know, things went, um, things went pretty well, you know, my son and, and, um, and my stepson, they clicked, you know, right away. Um, you know, my son always wanted a little brother. And so he got, you know, kind of a little brother that you know, I was, you know, never going to give him. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> and, um, so yeah, so about, so about nine years with, um, With you know a a lot of good times, a lot of bad times, more good times,
2: yeah. So, you didn't have the issue with your son bonding with his kids, no? Mm -mm. No, my son
0: and uh and my stepson, um, they they bonded to really well. And I think, you know, probably because of that, you know, that probably helped the relationship along, you know, in, in those early years.
2: Um, yeah, for sure. Cause I know, um, my son, he was like four when we got married and David's triplets were nine. And then he also had a 10 year old and it's almost like my son went through phases with who he bonded with. Mm-hmm. He would be close to one one day, you know, one the next week. And um out of the four, there's, I'd say, two of them he bonded with the best. The third one, kind of, I guess, a good bond, you know, not necessarily the greatest. And then um the oldest, uh, he didn't really bond with him too much, but the oldest is kind of reserved. Mm-hmm. And so he doesn't... um if you look at it, he doesn't really bond with people at all. I mean, he does, but in his own way, it's a kind of a different way than most people bond and they'll pick on each other when they see each other. But of course he's in um, Japan right now with the Air Force. So he doesn't see much. And I don't think they chat like the other brothers do. Right. So you are blessed that you did not have to deal with that issue because that was a big source of contention for us.
0: Yes. I'm definitely thankful for that. And, um, and then also, you know with with my stepdaughter when she you know when she was very young, um she and I bonded, you know right away um when she, you know she was about three and a half. Um, and so you know, she really doesn't have very many memories of you know, a time before I was in her life. and she definitely has no memories of her of um you know her mom and dad being in the same house and being married, you know being in a relationship together. Um, now my stepson has, he has some, some small memories of when they were all together, but really not very many. So
2: that's kind of like with my son, he was so young that he doesn't, of course he doesn't remember his dad and I together because we weren't together at the time of his birth, but he, um, you know, David's always been here, you know, David's the fixture with me. So, I think that plays a big role in it, too, and it makes things easier. So um, how often do you see the stepkids?
0: Well, so um, we used to have them um, 50-50. So we do two days during the week and then every other weekend. And as the kids have gotten older, you know, because they're 15 and 13 now, so as the kids have gotten older, um, now we just have them <laughs> Um One day a week, so on Mondays and every other weekend, and um, I think you know there's been some conversations with you know them and and their dad. Um, you know I think that even the we it's possible in the next year or so we might even drop that Monday and just go down to every other
2: weekend. Is that just to make it easier on the step kids?
0: Um, I think so. Yeah. I mean, cause you know, my husband definitely, you know, doesn't want it. He wasn't really for losing, you know, the additional day that we were getting, you know, for a handful of years. So, mm-hmm. so kind of going back, you know, I was saying that, you know, in the early years, you know, the kids and I, um, you know, in our family, we all bonded really well, um, in, you know, in the beginning and, um, Kind of over the years, there were a lot of boundary issues that we had to set with um, with my husband's ex wife, and which she did not like. And I think you know, once she kind of started, well, you know, being forced to accept, you know, some of these boundaries, it seemed, you know, it started to seem to have an effect on our relationship in our home. Um, so just to be you know pretty blunt, we've been facing, um, some, some loyalty bonding issues, mm-hmm. um, in regard to, in regard to their mom. And it has definitely affected my relationship with the kids. Um, and it trickles down and it affects my husband's relationship with the kids as well. So for instance, I mentioned, you know, we're, you know, we're losing that one day and that may go down to more. And I mean, technically the kids could walk to our house, you know, it's about a 10 minute drive. So, you know, it's really not so much of a hassle, I think, as it's being
2: presented. Oh, yeah, that's definitely not bad. That's what I was going to ask you, you know, how far away the kids are. Um, Like my son's dad, he lives about, I'd say, 40 minutes away. Days during the week, it's just not feasible for for him to get him and things like that when there's school going on. Right. But they're just a few minutes down the road. Yes. So you think that um, the bio mom is kind of making the kids feel guilty for when they go to dad's or...
0: Oh, oh, I, I absolutely know it. So... Um, you know, one of the ways that I came to the nacho and and disengaging philosophy happened um, maybe about four or five years ago. And, um, you know, going through phone checks, uh, you know, the, the kids like cell phones, going through phone checks, and just reading some really questionable conversations between the kids and their mom while they were in our home. Well, for instance, you know, it started with one of the boundaries that we had set um, with their mom was about, you know, the constant calling and texting of my husband on his phone. And so, you know, we established like a co-parent meeting, you know, like a one phone call a week, you know, during the middle of the week to, you know, discuss the business of the children and then all other calls and texts, you know, kind of needed to be for emergencies only. And, you know, once we she realized that we were pretty firm about that, because you know, her other you know, texting and calling was going, was being ignored, you know, if it wasn't an emergency, she um, bought the kids' phones. And at this time, we also had a boundary set with her that while the kids were in our home, that she could call them on Sundays, you know, at 11, you know, just to kind of like check in and say hi. Right. And, um, and you know, and not like keep calling them and you know, keep wanting, like, spend, having them spend their whole weekend with us talking on the phone with her.
2: Right, right. Do you get what I'm saying? Oh, I, I, so, yeah, and now that was when they were only there for the weekend, right? <laughs> yes, yeah,
0: so and this is when they were here for, like, on the weekend. Well,
2: yeah, I have to say that's very generous of y'all. I fought tooth and nail to be able to get to speak to my son every other day when he's with his dad, if it extends more than two days. So Mm -hmm. during the weekend, no, I don't call him. Well, granted, he's older now, so he has his own phone and he may call me or he might text. But when he didn't have his own phone, it was I only could communicate with him if he was there for more than 48 hours Mm -hmm. and it could be every other day for 10 minutes or something. And um, my problem with that was I would call and he wouldn't answer. Mm -hmm. And so we went back and forth with that. And it was even in our papers to that he had to call me back within a certain time frame if he missed the call. Well, we'll, we need to have another podcast, I'm sure, on um, the courts, because to enforce that, you know, you have to file a contempt contempt charge. Yes. And then you have to spend all this money, and then you may or may not have a judge that does something about it. Right. So, you know, it's almost like not worth fighting, but I think that was his way of— controlling me because he knew it drove me crazy to worry about my kid. Right. Is mom a bad mom or is she just you know like the overprotective helicopter mom?
0: Oh, I don't think she's a No, I don't think No, she's definitely not a bad mom. You know, she she's a good mom, you know, and you know and the and the kids are good, you know, in general. They're they're good. You know, we don't have any issues, you know, other than just normal you know whatever age phase that they were in type of issues. Yeah. Um, I think that it was more, I mean, I couldn't tell you exactly because I'm not in her head. You know, I am, you know, I am a mom and, you know, my son has a stepmom and, you know, visitation was his, well, not any longer, but, you know, I've went through this. And so, you know, f- so for me being in her shoes also, you know, the only thing that I can come up with is I think that she felt very threatened. And insecure over, you know, us bonding and possibly becoming a family unit because, you know, she's never dated or has, you know, been in a relationship or remarried or anything. So, you know, I think that she may have, you know, been feeling that loss over, you know, not having a nuclear, you know, like a nuclear family, the mom, the dad and the kids. And so she felt very threatened and insecure that. At our home, you know, we might be offering that, you know, a mom and a dad figure and, and the kids. So.
2: Yeah, that brings up a really good point that, you know, if she's not in a different relationship, then her primary focus is her kids. And so when her kids are gone, she feels lost.
0: Well, this is what I was saying. Well, yeah. So when you asked me if I thought, you know, if I thought you know, that. And I said, well, I know it, you know, I was, you know, I've read countless text messages where she would, you know, so basically when we put the boundary about the phone, about the calling, when we put that boundary on, she bought the kids their own phones. And from there, I mean, I feel like I can kind of pinpoint like the de- the deterioration of our, you know, blended family unit kind of all roots back to when the kids got the phones. And so she, you know, stopped calling and texting my husband constantly, but she started calling and texting the kids constantly. Um, And, you know, and it was things like, you know, she would tell them that she missed them, you know, how much she loved them and how much she missed them. And, you know, things like when they got back home to her, you know, the fun things that she was going to do with them. Um, You know, there was a lot of dysfunction, you know, there like one thing that stands out in my mind was I had set up like a little like girl's day with my stepdaughter. We're going to like a traditional, like a tea party, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, and uh, like tea time tea party. And she was probably like nine or 10 years old. So, you know, something fun for a girl that age. And her mom had been trying to call her, you know, while we're out and she didn't have her phone. And so when she got back, there were all these text messages about, you know, where did you go? Who did you go to the tea party with? And then it was, you know, did you want to go with Vicky? You know, kind of. Yeah. And, you know, and my stepdaughter responded to those texts that she did not want to go to the tea party with me, but she wanted to go to the tea party for the food. And that was incredibly hurtful for me. And which I understand, you know, she was backed into the corner by her mom, you know, but you know, at the same time, I was reading text messages between the kids, between the two of them and between them and their mom. And they were all very hateful text messages, you know, about me, you know, saying that, you know, I was stupid, I was retarded. And it was like anything I would try to, you know, like I used to do things like we had like a family movie night and we would, you know, pick a movie and we would get junk food, which is a special treat in our house. And, you know, I would see text messages like from the kids where they were talking about how the movie that I picked was, you know, or the movie that I picked was stupid and, and that they hoped, you know, that my husband and I would break up. And so this is how it was those events. And that's how I came to Nacho. (laughs) So because, I mean, I felt like, I mean, I was exhausting myself. I was really trying to please everyone. You know, there were points I was cooking three separate dinners because, you know, one kid wouldn't eat this, but the other kid would and, you know, and one kid wouldn't eat that. And then my husband and I ate different food and and only to, you know, and then only to go back and see how the kids are talking about, you know, to see how the kids were talking about me. You know, and all these efforts that I was that I was making, Um, it made me. I I was also seeing um, a counselor at the time. Um, After I started, you know, during the time that I was saw the text messages and you know explaining this to her, and and the counselor gave me what, which is going to be my answer for the best piece of advice, which is to do the things that make you happy. You know, my counselor said, you know, if it makes you happy to to cook three different meals, then keep cooking three different meals. If it doesn't make you happy to cook three different meals, then don't do it.
2: Yeah, and, and that's what we try to explain to people about nacho anger, the nacho kids method, is that is why it's different for everybody. Um, there's so many different variables in the blend, but I may enjoy cooking and some people may not. Well, I'm going to tell you, I do not enjoy cooking at all. <laughs> and so <laughs> when I would cook and then the kids would say, oh, that looks like dog food or something like that, then I'm not showing that. Right. Their dad can feed them. They were old enough to fix sandwiches or cereal, but they weren't old enough to fix a meal. Mm-hmm. So David took that over because that was a very stressful thing for me. And the same thing with laundry. It drove me crazy with the laundry because they wouldn't bring their laundry down or sort it, separate it or whatever, and when you would fold it or they would never put it up. So I'm like, why am I doing this when all they're doing is taking it and throwing it back to be washed again cuz they don't want to put it up. Right. So I started not showing that.
0: I have a hilarious story about laundry. That's so funny cuz I used to do everybody's laundry too. And then um I started noticing that like my stepdaughter was like putting like like clothes in her backpack right and at first you know this is when I was like all in you know and like just exhausting myself and uh, pre-nacho Yes, pre-nacho and so I was at first I was offended you know I was like oh I can't wash the clothes like what's going on you know like why are you putting these clothes in your backpack and I was told that I didn't do the laundry right. Now, this is coming from like an eight, you know, like a seven or eight year old.
2: So. Oh, my goodness.
0: So, I mean, you understand, you know, I I understood that that comment was, you know, something planted in her head and, you know, not not her own, you know, <laughs> an eight, she didn't know anything about how to do laundry. So, and so I was seeing my counselor at the time and I was vented with my counselor about how offended I was, you know, by this and blah, blah, blah. And my counselor said, Oh, that's great. You know, just, you know, give her, you know, a laundry sack and send the laundry to her mom's. And like a light bulb went off in my head. It just kind of clicked like, Oh my goodness. Yeah. Like I'm like getting offended and all upset. And You know, I knew that that comment really came, you know, straight from the bio mom, you know, that I didn't do the laundry right. So by all means, do the laundry.
2: (laughs) Yeah, have at it. Exactly. (laughs) So that's one thing you said that, you know, it kind of clicked with you. And, you know, that's where Nacho Kids came from is the counselor kept telling me they are not your kids. They are not your kids. And that's all this man would say to me. And when we left, David and I were cutting up. And that's where I said, They are not your kids, kind of making fun of the counselor. And in that moment, I'm like, I'm telling you, it's like the angel started singing or something. It's like, Whoa. (laughs) I I realized I was creating my own misery. Yes. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I was doing this to myself. And I'm like, Whoa, step back. It's just like everything just kind of made sense then. And that's immediately when I started nachoing and yeah, it took time for me to re-engage, but the effects of my nachoing were almost instantaneous mm-hmm. and it was not easy.
0: No, it's not easy. And I think, you know, one of the reasons why nachoing can s- seem really hard for people, especially in the beginning is it's a lot of control to give up.
2: Yes. You no, know?
0: it is. It's a lot of control. And I think that women, we naturally, we're not control freaks. You know, I think that women, we naturally just want to be able to manage our homes. You know, there's, it's kind of, you know, the natural, the natural order of, you know, and when you look at, you know, non-blended families, you know, Traditional families, you know, typically is the woman who's handling the calendar, maybe handling the finances, you know, doing the planning, doing the meal plan, you know,
1: doing the domestic
0: responsibilities, you know, you know, caring and upbringing the children, and so that feels very natural, you know, for us. And it feels like a complete loss of control when you're not able to, you know, fulfill what you think is your is your natural role in a home. So,
2: yeah. And especially if you're a bio mom, if you've got all the kids there, I actually wrote a uh, blog post about this recently. You feel like you have to have a split personality. Mm-hmm. I have to respond to my son differently than his kids because I can tell my son, what the crap are you thinking? Pick that up. You know, whereas his kids, if I said that, then the next thing you know, in their head, I cuss them out. Yeah, they take it to extremes. And so Mm -hmm. you have to separate yourself and be the nacho parent or the step parent and be the bio parent. And to me, I did almost feel like it was a split personality thing because you have to be so aware of what you're saying and how you're acting because they don't take it the same as your kids. do.
0: No. And I've have definitely found that out. Um, and you know, especially with my stepdaughter and now she's gotten like older, you know, she she's 13 now. And so the last couple of years have been, you know, those are rough years with kids just in general. And so then you add our, the dynamic of our relationship and the loyalty bonds and their, um, it makes it, you know, even more complicated. And it's absolutely, it's absolutely true. You know, I've, um, I've said things to her that are just, you know, simple and straightforward and she has meltdowns about it and she twists it and then she, you know, takes it back to her mom and says some, you know, and her dad also, because she, you know, to, and tries, you know, tries to create some drama around something that I didn't even say, you know, it's yep.
2: what, what she heard. Exactly. And um, David and I cut up about this a lot because he says that um, I have some kind of filter before I really hear things. Cause he'll say something and I'll say, well, you just said, da, da, da. and he's like, no, that's not what I said. And I'm like, well, that's what I heard. Yeah. Because, and what it is, is we add emotion to what we hear, mm-hmm. you know? So if we're sensitive about something, Um, for instance, if we feel like that we, our house is a mess and we need to clean up and we feel pressure to do that. And then they say, um, well, did you mop the floor or something, you know, something simple, you take it as, oh, they're saying that I don't do crap, Mm -hmm. but kids do the same thing. And I don't know about your husband, but David really felt like he was stuck in the middle
0: between
2: his kids and me because, They were telling him one thing. I was telling him something different and no matter which way he went, he couldn't win. Yes.
0: This is a huge issue
2: um, in our home right now where my husband,
0: you know, definitely feels like in the middle. And so we've been living together for eight years, but we got married just last year. And so when we announced our engagement, and then after we got married, there came some times where my husband had to pull his kids aside and have some conversations with him, with them. And, um, you know, they say, it's so funny. They say the same thing. They feel like that he always picks my side and that he, and that he never like defends them, which is from my perspective is not true. He actually gets incredibly, he gets incredibly defensive about his kids. You know, I mean, there's like, I can't really say very much to him about his kids and he doesn't take it very well. You know, it, it, it takes a couple conversations and usually an argument. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so he definitely feels in the middle and he says, you know, said to me over and over that he does not want to be in the middle that if I, have, I need to take my issue, directly to the kids but when I do that you know it just puts him in the middle because then they turn around and make it into this drama of, of things that
2: I did not say so it's um yeah I, I completely disagree with um, him thinking that you should take it directly to the kids because that's how your words get turned around. That's how they end up feeling like they're attacking you. Then they'll go to their mom. You know, he, he needs to address those issues with his kids. Even Yeah. And if he doesn't have an issue with what they're doing then you have to let it go. Yeah. And um, I want to go back a second. You were talking about talking to the kids, no matter what you said, it got turned around. Mm-hmm. And even talking to him about them. That's why, you know, we say the number one rule of nachoing is to say nothing to or about the stepkids. Yeah. Because if I said something bad about your kid, you get defensive immediately. Or mothering. Right. Or our parenting. And it's funny because we can call our own kids a brat. But David calls my son a brat, which I don't know that that's the word he would use if he called him anything. Then it's like, oh, no, uh, uh-uh. you don't call my kid that.
0: I meant things um, more like, you know, I'll tell my husband to tell the kids that they're that they need to clean their room this
2: weekend. You know, things like that. Oh, no, I didn't. I, yeah, I didn't mean you were calling the kids names or anything, but no,
0: but it's more like, uh, yeah, it's more like that. I definitely I definitely have learned a yeah, I certainly have definitely learned like not to go to my husband and talk about the, you know,
2: like the behaviors of his kids that I don't agree with. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but even the cleaning of their room—that is something that they can look at as negative towards you. It's something they can complain about towards you. Mm-hmm. And really, it's his job. I'm not bashing your husband, by the way you know that. Oh, yeah. Oh, no,
0: I know all this. I know it's his job. But
2: yeah, it's his job to do that. And, you know, that's his choice to not do it. But okay, the other choice is hire a maid. Have have him tell him, say, okay, if you're not going to have them clean up the room, then maybe a maid needs to come in once a month or once every two months or whatever, just to kind of clean it up. And he'll think you're crazy for saying that because that's just to the extreme to him is why would I hire a maid to clean my kids' rooms? Well, you're not making them do it. What do you think the magic cleaning fairy is going to come in? Right. The room thing is such an issue. I've
0: mostly tried to not show the rooms, you know, the doors are always shut. And, you know, I mean, I'm not, um, um, I'm not so, I'm not so like strict about, you know, like housekeeping type of things as, um, you know, some people are so but they definitely like their rooms do get because nobody's like monitoring the rooms being cleaned, they get to a point where I mean
2: it's it's really disgusting and definitely needs to be cleaned. So David um always brings this up that even if you're the one that wants them to clean the room, dad can't go. Well, Victoria wants you to clean your room Mm -hmm. or Victoria said you need to clean your room because what that does, and I think it's hard for men to understand this sometimes, is it puts a target on us. You know, we've already got the um, negative connotation to our role And then that's just putting a target at us, on us and saying, here, you know, here's another reason not to like her. She wants you to clean your room. Mm -hmm. Here's another reason not to like her because she said you didn't do it right. For me, especially, that's why I had to disengage completely. Because when David would say something to the kids, they would say, is that coming from you or from Lori? Yes. No,
0: no. We've gone through that, too. Yes. I mean, and the kids automatically think that anything that their dad, if their dad says no about anything or anything that they don't like to hear, it is definitely automatically attached as, as coming from me. And their mom does that too. We've had like, well, I know, I mean, she has said it to us before the on times where we've been firm about, you know, where, where we've been firm about something and she will, like she has, said in like email communications and in comments that she thinks that you know those aren't coming from my husband, you know, that it's you know directly related to, you know, his relationship with me. So
2: yes. You know, we really have a hard role and it's not for the faint of heart. And you know, I don't consider myself a sensitive person, but I think I realized I'm more sensitive than I thought I was when all this stuff started. Um, before, because before Nacho, you know, it was to the point where the stepkids hated me and the in-laws hated me, you know, so I just felt almost like the black sheep that nobody wanted around. And then my son, he was so young, you know, at that age, somebody can treat a kid like crap, but they still want to hang out with them if they're in the same age range because mm-hmm. they're a friend or you yeah. know, whatever. So yeah, I didn't like the way that the stepkids were t- tr- treating my son sometimes, but... You know, he just wrote it off and kept on going. And so I felt like I was even disconnecting from my son a little bit. It's almost like you feel like you just need to go hide in the closet and everybody's life would be wonderful if that's what you did.
0: Yeah. I was going to say, I think, I think that one of the, you know, one of the things that was the most like hard, you know, I think it was hard for me in the beginning because, so I come from a divorced family. I was raised by my dad and my stepmom. You know, my stepmom had been in my life since I was two years old. And with, um, you know, with my my bio mom, she was married to a man that was in the Air Force. And so I would just kind of see her sporadically. You know, we didn't really have, you know, so she would be kind of in and out of my life, you know, because oftentimes they were overseas you know, myself coming, you know, from a divorced and and a blended family. um, I don't really remember ever like growing up and like feeling like any kind of loyalty binds or really like any kind of, you know, struggles. I mean, I loved my stepmom, my stepmom, you know, I call her mom. She's my mom. I love my bio mom too, you know, I, so it's been really difficult for me to kind of wrap my head around that. Like, so now here I'm a stepmom, but I'm in a completely, you know, different sort of step family situation, you know, where like, I don't get like the, you know, I don't get the love and affection, you know, back from the step kids, the way that, you know, I gave my own stepmom
2: does that make sense oh yeah it does make sense did your stepmom she did she not show you or she was more of a parent no she was a parent i mean she
0: yeah and i think that you know even growing up you know because of the situation with you know with my bio mom being overseas a lot you know i mean i think you know almost everyone we knew just automatically assumed that my stepmom you know, was my mom, you know, and we didn't even really talk about, you know, that she wasn't my mom. It was just a given, you know, that she, that she was my mom also. I mean, she did, I mean, she raised me, you know, and I mean, she, you know, took, you know, took me to all the doctors and dentist appointments, you know, Did, you know, all the school functions. She took over the motherly role. Absolutely. And so, you know, with me coming in to be a stepmom, I felt like, you know, it was natural for me to be able to, you know, be the mom in my house.
2: Right. Well, it's because, like you said, that's our innate nature Mm -hmm. is, you know, what we do. And then you also experienced it with your own stepmom. And that's what she did. And it worked for you. And you bonded with her. Mm -hmm. So why would you think to do any other way? Right. We actually um, had a conversation the other day um, with a lady that's going to be on our podcast. And she had a stepmom that, she had two stepmoms. One was, tried to mother her. They did not get along. And then one that pretty much nachoed, you know, just stepped back, let her do her thing, but was there if she needed her kind of thing. So she said that she learned from those two experiences that when she became a stepmom, She wanted to be the nacho stepmom, Mm -hmm. you know, because of her own personal experiences. And so I was like, well, that's good. We laugh because, you know, everybody says you the trigger phrase, you knew what you were getting into. And it just sends us into a rage. Yes. This is one stepmom that actually did know what she was getting into. She knew what to do. She knew what was going to work best. And she didn't have these um, even societally defined expectations you know a lot of times if a stepmom doesn't step into that role of being a mother figure we're looked down upon you know for doing something bad and we're not doing anything bad we're just trying to figure out what fits our blend and what does um our specific role what it looks like for us and what's the best way to make this work because we know 72 percent of blended families don't make it.
0: No, I mean, I grew up like definitely, you know, because I had the stepmom, you know, I, I grew up, you know, already with that, you know, knowing that like, oh, like the Disney portrayals stepmom. So (laughs) it's, I mean, my, you know, my stepmom and I used to joke about that, about the evil stepmom portrayed by Disney and things like that. And so I guess, you know, I kind of, you know, I did think that I knew what I was getting into and, um you know, having had a, a stepmom myself. And I, um, I definitely did not.
2: <laughs> I think a lot of us think we know what we're getting into, but we, um, when the reality hits and things don't flow like we think they should, then it's like, oh man, I had no idea this was going to happen. Right, yes. You know, because we really prepared um, before we got married with research and um, talking to other people and all this stuff because we knew it wasn't going to be easy. But we were still blindsided by the stuff that we went through. Yes. And if I would not have Nacho, there's no doubt that we would have never made it. In fact, when we went to um, speak to the counselor that kept telling me they are not your kids, it was either the next step to us, if we couldn't get some kind of resolution there, was divorce. Right. Well, I think David's resolution was more of, okay, let's start over. Maybe you and Jackson move out and... Then, you know we tried a, a different approach to this but my thought process was if I move out I'm not coming back right i was i was not there was there was no chance i was not coming back if i left i was not uprooting my son i was not moving again that was it we see that a lot and i know you see it too in the facebook groups where people are choosing to do that mhm they're choosing to have separate households to try to make this blend work and it's um like putting a bandaid on the problem. It's not fixing the issues. So of course things are better when they do that because the stress isn't there.
0: Yes. Um, That. And um, I mean, I think that people should do what works for them. But when I hear things like that, it makes me think, you know, that gives an awful lot of power to the kids. Do you know Mm
2: -hmm.
0: where, you know, the, the kids have learned that, you know, if they, well, if they don't take responsibility for their behaviors and make changes on their end as well, you know, then, then they can just like push someone out of the family. I mean, I don't know. I feel like it gives a, doing things like that gives an awful lot of power to the kids and where, I mean, marriages are supposed to be unified and and the couple really should stand together and say, we're going to weather everything together, even your BS.
2: <laughs> yeah. No, I do think that the kids need to feel comfortable sharing what they're struggling with, Mm -hmm. but also when it's um, crazy stuff or outlandish, then that needs to kind of be curbed a little bit. I think that your stepkids, since you had such a good relationship with them in the beginning, you're going through those teenage years now Mm -hmm. and I would think and it would be interesting to see how things are in a couple of years with you because once the kids grow up, I think that they may look at you differently.
0: Well, you know, that that's the hope, you know, that that we kind of hang on to. Um, so like interesting story. So you know, we had talked about how, you know, the kids will take, you know, something that I say and just kind of, you know, twist it. And um we had a situation like that. Um a handful of months ago, and my husband, you know, feeling like so stuck in the middle because you know his kids were coming to him and saying that you know, I should never say those things to a thirteen year old and they were things that I didn't say, and they were misconstrued. and so we decided to go see a counselor um just my go back to a counselor. we you know had been on a break for counseling for a couple of years. Um, so my husband and I saw a counselor a couple of times, and then we brought the kids in for a session. And, you know, quickly learned, you know, after meeting with the counselor in his session with the kids that, you know, the kids don't want to do anything to change it. And for me, I told my husband, that, you know, those counseling sessions were really starting to open up like a lot of like old wounds for me. Like I finally, you know, and because of Nacho, I really got to a place where I was like, felt very neutral, you know, where Mm -hmm. if they don't like me, it's their
2: problem. Right. Oh, well, not, not everybody likes everybody.
0: Yes. And so I got to a place where I was pretty where I was pretty neutral. I did a lot of, you know, I did a lot of self work. I worked with a counselor. I'm lucky enough to have a very good girlfriend who's also, you know, who's also a stepmom. So I really wasn't willing to continue to go to the counseling and try to like, you know, like you know, deal with that like one issue or even try to I felt like the whole point of the counseling was try to like make the kids like love and accept me. And you know, I guess I just I don't I just don't care right now.
2: And I don't think it's that we don't care as much as we realize that in the whole scheme of things. That we can't focus on that.
0: And the counseling sessions, you know, it was starting to bring up some old issues. And so my husband and I were starting to argue more. And I felt like our relationship is the priority, you know, Mm -hmm. it's our relationship that's the priority. And so, um, so it was bringing up old issues for me, like things that I had already felt like I had worked through. And I really feel like, you know, having like disengaged and, you know, and doing the nacho theory. It did, fi- you know, I mean, it took a couple of years, but it did finally bring me to that place where I just feel pretty neutral about it.
2: Yeah, almost almost peaceful. Yes.
0: I have a peace w- within myself. Yeah. I mean, I finally have a peace within myself where for years and years and years of this of uh, this Blended family journey, I really had a lot of inner struggles, just a whole lot of inner struggles. And I'm at a place where I feel at peace with myself.
2: Yeah. And and that's how I felt. Um, You know, once I started nachoing, it was like the weight of the world had been lifted off my shoulders. Mm -hmm. And then I've, um, I guess I did it so well that I learned to incorporate it in other things in my life. Yes. Whether it's Walmart, because I cannot do the crowds and the Excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. Trying to get groceries, and um, you know, somebody riding my butt driving down the road. I'll pull over now and let them go because I'm like, you are not going to make me all upset. Mm-hmm. It's taking control of how we let things affect us. Yeah, and that is so important because we naturally beat ourselves up anyway, and the last thing we need is other people doing it too. Yes, it, absolutely. Yes. And you were talking about the bringing up the issues. We started Nacho Kids in 2013. And we just recently launched the Nacho Kids Academy to help other people. You know, through the years, I've been helping people through Facebook groups and things like that. But there was a time that I kind of had to step back from that. You know, everybody's like, why don't you keep going from the beginning and, you know, immediately go into helping people? And it's because other people's stories triggered bad memories for me.
0: That's the same with me. Yes. I had to leave like a number of those of the blended family and stepmom groups because, you know, just casually scrolling through things and you would read a story that would be a similar situation and it would trigger me to, to think, oh my God, I remember when blah, blah, blah did this and it would, yeah, and it would bring all that up. Yes.
2: <laughs> it, it does. And it does. Memories, um, we have a habit. I haven't researched this, but um, we have a habit of remembering the bad Mm -hmm. instead of the good. And I guess because the bad um, hurts us. And so it ties that emotion to it more so. And, you know, I remember reading something one day at work on Facebook or on my way home from work um, at a stoplight, of course. And uh, <laughs> I got home and I was mad. And David's like, what is wrong with you? And I was like, I read this thing on Facebook and her kids doing the same thing your kids did to me. Did to me and it makes me mad. And then I, that's when I was like, wait a minute. There's a difference in caring about people's problems and wanting to help people mm-hmm. than letting them become mine. Yes, even letting them trigger mine. Mm-hmm. So now when I read stuff, and it reminds me of stuff from the past, I make myself remember how far we've come.
0: Yes, that is I know I we had a great counselor who helped us, you know, learn that about to look at the progress, you know, that we've made to look at the progress that we've made. And that was one of my reasonings for you know, just recently, you know, not wanting to I did not really I didn't it didn't feel genuine to me I didn't want to dive into counseling with the kids and try to you know dig through all the dirt you know with the kids especially you know there's a lot of things that I would have to say that I would either have to censor or that would just make things worse you know and they don't want to sit in counseling and listen to me talk about how I think that one of the big root of our problems is their mom right do you know and I mean we talked about that in this in a Session with our counselor, like you know, I mean, if we are gonna do this, then you know, these are the things that I have to say, you know. Right, and that would just be more ammunition against you, exactly. And yeah, to be honest with you, I don't want to go back and like dig through all the shit that their mom did. I've nachoed her. We've all, you know, we've both nachoed her, we've have her down to email communication only, and You know, she still, it seems like has this weird cycle where, you know, once every couple of weeks, she'll just like bomb, you know, just like bomb the email with a whole bunch of this and that and try to attack, you know, and, you know, if it's not an emergency, we just don't respond, you know, and if we need to respond, it's just some, you know, something as simple as a yes or a no you know, or, or this time or this day. So, mm-hmm.
2: and that is the absolute best way.
0: Yes. And so I feel, you know, I feel, re- I feel neutral even about her, you know, and so I wasn't willing to go back into counseling and to, you know, and dig through all of this stuff that I've already have worked on on my own. You know, Right. I feel like that if any other member in my household wants to go to counseling and to start working on themselves and their situation, then I totally 100% support that but right i mean i feel at a good place where i'm at and a lot you know and a lot of that has to do with not showing
2: you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I I completely agree. Um, You know, I always say that it saved my sanity in my marriage. But, you know, I consider it a blended lifesaver, not showing. But it also, it it changed my perspective on so many things. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the things that we teach people in the academy is um, tools to use to help them not let these things bother them. And one of them that we talk about is um, the five rule, five by five rule. You know, if it's not going to matter in five years, don't waste five seconds worrying about it or stressing about it. And, you know, we teach people that just because you can't control a situation doesn't mean that you have to let it control you. Right. You're in control of that. Just like you're in control of your mind. If we're sitting here talking and then all of a sudden I start thinking something bad about the stepkids, I have the ability to stop that thought process, whether it's to get up and walk away, to start playing a game on my phone, anything to distract ourselves to where we don't go through that vicious cycle, because we need to break those bad habits of looking for the bad. Yes.
0: Oh, yes, I agree. And I definitely, I learned a really good tool for that. Like when your mind kind of, I think they call it like the monkey brain or something. But when your mind starts to kind of you know, go back to that place because I would find myself doing that. And, you know, like there's this whole, like the whole concept of like letting go. I think um, it's, it's too broad. You know, people can't really, you know, can't re- entirely grasp that because letting go, I think, is definitely a process. And I don't know if there's ever actually like an, in an end an end game, you know, you can be, let go of something for years. And then one day something will trigger it and you're automatically not, you know, you're automatically right back it, not have let it go. Do you understand? Yeah. You didn't really let it go. You yeah, just buried it. Exactly. So I think that, yeah, definitely like tools like that. And one thing that really helped me was when I would start to find myself getting like, I mean, I would just be in the kitchen chopping vegetables. And all of a sudden I would think of something that the kid's mom had did or said like years ago, you know? Yeah, and, yeah. yeah, You know, and letting the whole story run back through my head again. And I've learned to pause and say, just simply like peace be with you. And sometimes that meant like peace be with me, you know, cause I needed the peace. Sometimes that meant like, You know, peace be with her, like kind of like poof, be gone, sort of. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I definitely think that that tools like that are definitely necessary because it's just incredibly way too broad to tell someone to just let
2: something go. Right. But I think that since you've learned the nachoing and other tools that when someone says to you, let it go, Mm -hmm. it has a completely different meaning because you truly know how to do that. Yes.
0: And the other mantra, you know, in regard to like the kids and things like that was, you know, actually what you and David had come up with, which is nacho kid, because, you know, when I first started this and there were things like, okay, like bedtime, you know, like, I feel like the kids should have a bedtime. Well, My husband doesn't really have, you know, doesn't really take electronics away or really have like a bedtime for the kids. And especially as they've gotten older, they're up longer than we are, up playing on their phones. And in the early, you know, in the early years, you know, before I really started Nacho, like that used to really make me mad. I used to get really mad about that. And I learned to like breathe through that being mad about it by saying, Nacho kid. Nacho kid. I mean, I think, you know, my two mantras, I had that combination of peace be with you and nacho kid. And, you know, I mean, sometimes I would say it through grit teeth, you know, (laughs) but it got, it got easier and easier and easier. Now I feel like that, you know, it's just kind of second nature. Like now if the kid's, you know, if the kids are up until one o'clock in the morning on a school night playing on their phones. You know, it's not my problem. You know, they're the ones who will have to suffer, you know, be feeling fatigued the next morning.
2: Yeah. I know um, one of the things that I started doing, you know, I would tell myself, nacho kids, nacho kids. And then um, I started thinking of the macho man song. Yeah. <laughs> and so I replaced that with nacho kids. And so if I'm getting stressed or You know, they were aggravating me or something. I would just start singing that to myself in my head. I'm not going to sing for y'all because, you know, God did not bless me with a singing voice. and But it made me laugh. Mm -hmm. You know, it lightened the mood. It um, just got me to redirect my thoughts. I know um, it's crazy how stuff pops in your head, though, because you can ride down the road and be having a great day. And all of a sudden something that happened 10 years ago that hurt you or that you feel guilty about just pops in your head. Yes, And so I've learned to go, where the crap did that come from? <laughs> you know, and say, wait a minute, that is not happening now. I don't need to relive that. And our mind is not always our friend. Right. You know, we have to learn to control those and, We speak a lot in the Academy about ants, the automatic negative, negative thinking. Mm -hmm. Um, Dr. Daniel Amen wrote a book on that. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, and it's true. We automatically have those thoughts. And it's like you said, it's almost become second nature to you to not let things bother you. We have to do the same thing with the negative thinking. Mm -hmm. We have to think positive and not allow those thoughts to control us or to cycle and spin out of control or spiral out of control. We just have to get a grip on it and, like I said, either walk away, do something else, change your focus. You know, I was on the phone with David one day and um, we were talking about something and it was um, something unpleasant. I don't remember exactly what it was because all of a sudden I go, oh, look at that blue car, you know, because I'm like, I'm not talking about this. It's not healthy for me to talk about it. I'm not, you know, feeling good about it. Now, granted, you can't just dismiss everything in life, but you can figure out better ways to cope with it and then come back and readdress it if you need to, or just to take a break from it for a little bit. Yes. Victoria, it has been great talking to you, but we need to get through these little lightning questions.
0: righty, Yeah, let's do that.
2: So you've already kind of answered this, but just to um, refresh. What has been the hardest part of blending for you?
0: The hardest part of blending, I think, is um, learning to accept that my vision of what blended family life was going to look like, um, you know, isn't the reality.
2: Yes, I'm with you on that one. I think a lot of people, once we let go, even if we had realistic expectations, we knew it wouldn't be easy, whatever we still had expectations.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Once we realized that, you know what, let go of those expectations and let things happen naturally, it puts us in a better place in the blend. We quit, quit putting stress on ourselves and on everybody else and things need to calm down a little bit. Yes. All right, let's see. The second question is, what's been the best advice you ever received about blending?
0: Well, I mentioned this before and it was definitely, you know, as simple as, you know, do the things that make you happy. So, I mean, the counselor that gave me the advice, you know, like, if it makes you happy to cook three different meals, then cook three different meals. If it does not make you happy to cook three different meals,
2: then don't do it. Right. And that's been the best advice. Now, see, this is where people will go, oh, Lord, she's not going to feed her stepkids. You know, (laughs) no, people, that's not what nachoing is. Nachoing is. Lowering your stress, but not neglecting the kids. I mean, you wouldn't have not fed them. You would have asked dad to feed them or you would have said, hey, I'm fixing one meal. Either you eat it or you eat a PB&J sandwich. Exactly. Yeah. I wonder what your answer is going to be on this one. If you could travel back in time, knowing what you know now, what's one piece of advice you would give yourself about blending?
0: Um... I guess boundaries. Like I have I wish that boundaries would have been established a lot earlier on.
2: Yeah. We do it to ourselves though. We go in wanting to do the roles that we think and we don't set those boundaries. And the next thing you know, we're overwhelmed and we're mad because nobody appreciates us. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I can say that the stepkids definitely learned from my nachoing was that I didn't have to do crap for them, that anything I did for them was out of um, kindness, or out of love, or you know, just being a decent human being. And so, once they realize that everything that I do, I know they appreciate it. Yeah. Even little things, you need me to help you do this, or you know, just offer. And even though they don't ask for help now, you know, I know they appreciate me for that because they realize that it's coming from a good place. Right. And let's see the last question what is one thing you will tell others who are facing the same challenges in the blend that you have? Mm, Just one thing. (laughs) You can do more than one. Rattle them off, girl. Give us 10.
0: (laughs) I mean, I think I, you know, I think that most stepmoms gut instinct is to tell people to run, (laughs) to just not even, you know, just to avoid all this the stress altogether. But if you found yourself, you, you, you didn't run and you're already in the race, um, then make your marriage a priority. I think there's a big misconception, um, especially in divorced families where the kids have to come first. And I completely disagree. I think that the marriage comes first. Um, that the children revolve around the marriage, that the marriage does not revolve around the children.
2: Right. Now, see, I have an interesting view on that. My my marriage is very, very important to me. And I love my husband dearly. He's a great husband, but I'm my kid's parent. So if it, if I had to choose, it would be my kid. So, but I also, at the same time, I don't look at things as who comes first, who comes second. Mm -hmm. You know, the love I have for my son is completely different than the love I have for my husband. The love I have for my dad is different than the love I have for my mom. And so I, I really hate it when people will say, what's the order or who comes first? Because yes, your marriage is what the kids see and they need to see that that is a united front. But as far as if somebody said, you know, you have to neglect one or the other, then I would I would take care of my son. Does that make sense?
0: Oh no, I completely respect that. And I you know, I didn't necessarily mean it like, you know, so much in that term, but I think a lot of times in blended families, you know, the mar- the marriage really does start to take the back seat because, you know, the kids start to have a lot a lot of the power in the home. And I was just gonna say, and and you know, my and every counselor, so in the in the nine years we've been together, my husband and I have seen like three counselors. Um, at different point, you know, at different stages in our relationship, and um, mm-hmm. and every single one of them, you know, has you know, we've come to them with with you know the drama and the trauma, in in our situation, you know, they've all have said that you know the the goal that we need to be working on is how are we going to protect our marriage, and so that's that's what I mean by that, you know, yeah, that you know you need to make your
2: marriage the 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 priority and and protect your marriage. Well, I, I think, too, that stepmoms tend to focus on the stepkids and what they're doing wrong and all this stuff, and they're not focusing on their marriage. Mm-hmm. By me, not showing, I was able to pay more attention to my husband. Right, Exactly.
0: Yeah, not it completely saved my, yeah, it saved my marriage in that way too. I have a much better relationship with my husband because I'm not so worried about what his kids are doing.
2: Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, I know girl. I know. Well, one last question before we let you go. Um, you were talking about your husband and some of the issues that he seems to be having or, you know, like he would tell you to tell the kids to clean their room or something like that. I'm sure you've heard of it. Guilty dad syndrome or guilty mm-hmm. parent syndrome. Oh, yes. As, yeah. GPS, as David calls it. Does he have that? Do you think he has?
0: That? Yes. I, yes. Yes. Which is funny, because, you know, the, you know, his kids were really young, when he had, when he and their mom separated, you know, and, um, and I've been in their life for, for, such a long time. So, you know, ne- I said before, you know, neither one of the kids really even have any memories, you know, of them all, you know, of them being married or them being a family, you know, most of the memories are, you know, of us all being together. And yet he still, you know, is, is, is affected,
2: you know, inflicted
0: <laughs> with, uh, he still is inflicted with the guilty parenting syndrome.
2: But I think also it's important that you're aware of that so you can, um, even though you might not have experienced it yourself, you can understand a little better why he does the things he does mm-hmm. or how he does them. And, you know, we see a lot of people talk about, oh, well, when he doesn't stand up to his kids, it makes um, him not be attractive to me. I get that, but back up a minute. If somebody was... um critiquing everything you did as a parent and didn't think about why you're doing those things, you wouldn't want to be looked at as being weak or whatever, you know? So yeah, I really think it's important for stepmoms to um, try to understand that the guilty dad syndrome um, is real. And, you know, it's not that they don't think that they should parent their kids more strictly or things like that. It's just the reality of, the guilt overtakes them. They're missing out on so much of their kids' lives. and That's exactly, yes. That's
0: Those are words like right out of my husband's mouth is I'm already missing out 50% of their lives. You know, I'm already,
2: yeah. you know, yes. So, And the older they get, the more panicked he will become.
0: And, you know, and I think, and I think it's also just, you know, kind of back to the natural order, I think. And, you know, in traditional, in a lot of, traditional type families, um, you know, it is, the mom is more of the head, of, you know, the head of the, like the CEO, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> of, of families. And so I think that, you know, dad's just kind of naturally, um, kind of fall back into less hands-on parenting. Yeah. So, you know, and then, and then you throw the dynamic of, you know, guilt over not, having your kids, you know, 100% of the time. And that's what you get. (laughs)
2: Yeah, that's what you get. That's a that's a stiff cocktail. (laughs) (laughs) That is true. Well, it has been great speaking with you. I want to touch base with you again, you know, hopefully, we'll be doing this podcast for several years, and we'd be able to have you as a guest again and say, Hey, you know, how are things going now that stepdaughters a little bit older, or yeah, definitely. It might not even be 10 years that we do a 10-year reunion or something because I know that age is so hard with a kid, whether it's your step kid or your bio kid. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it takes them anywhere from the age of 18 to 40 before they learn to appreciate you. <laughs> yeah, I agree. You have a great day and thank you again for being on our podcast. And I'm sure that a lot of people will get a lot of helpful information from the discussion that we had.
0: Well, I hope so. I hope that, you know, something, you know, that I've said, you know, will resonate with someone and, and, you know, make, um a, you know, a new or even a seasoned stepmom, you know, feel, you know, not so alone in the journey. So
2: yeah, they're definitely not alone. Yes. <laughs>
0: Thank you again. And we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, Lori. Thanks.
2: As you can tell, David, we might've missed you a little bit during that recording. I
3: think you did. Fantastic.
2: Of course, you're going to say that. <laughs> You expect me to buy your Raisin Bran Crunch cereal so you'll have supper to eat since I don't
3: cook. That is the best cereal.
2: It is. Don't get the one with the bananas, though.
3: Yeah. I should call Kellogg's and see if they want to sponsor the podcast.
2: Yes, you should. Hey, that's a good idea. It is. That's
3: some daggum good cereal.
2: (laughs) Yeah, the kids even like it. I know. That's what's scary.
3: Anyway, you did a fantastic job interviewing Victoria and getting all of her secrets.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you. Thank you. I'm glad that um, she found what worked for her, Mm -hmm. and she was able to step back and not have unrealistic expectations for her blend just based off of her blend (laughs) from when she was a stepchild. Right. Right. (laughs) Right. So it goes to show you that just because you've experienced it one way doesn't mean that it's going to work in a different situation.
3: No, it's, it's, it's unique. It's, it's as unique as your family. Yes. So there's not a one size fits all. And that's why when we are talking to people like in the academy, we have to really get down into what is your dynamics? What are you dealing with? You know, and oftentimes it's 30 minutes into the conversation before we really find out what the problem is, because people often don't even know. What it is, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden it comes out. Oh, that's why you're having such an issue.
2: Yes, that is true.
3: So, yep, yeah. very good. Well, you heard it, folks. Don't forget, we have the what do you want to call it the the review challenge. <laughs> so we had the with the one thousand review challenge. challenge. Okay. So, the 1,000 reviews podcast, podcast, review podcast. challenge. Yeah. Whatever she wants to call it, I don't care.
2: We'll have to come up with some kind of acronym. All
3: right. So, go leave a and review. is that
2: acronyms when you? Yes. When you do the letters? It is. Well, I'm just checking. Hey, spoonerisms. That's what I do when I mix my words. I don't know what that is. Well, I know something you don't. All
3: right. So, leave, re- that up. leave a review. Go to notyourkids.com. I'm not through talking. That's why I'm trying to stop the podcast.
2: Okay. It's an episode. Ugh. <laughs>
3: <laughs> all right, go ahead. I'll be quiet now. All right, slash review. I'm done.
2: <laughs> no, repeat the whole thing together.
3: All right. Do your five-star review. Then go to nottourkids.com slash review so you can submit your review to put go into the pot. And we're going to draw for some Academy memberships. Yes, we are. All right.
2: And then you can hang out with me and David all the
3: time. Yeah. Hey, we could do that. We could like have a drawing for like... We'll come to your whatever and hang out for a oh, day. they can
2: come here for a week. It'd be a nacho house. We got a doormat that says nacho house.
3: We do have that. Yeah. Right. Be
2: like a bed and breakfast, a nacho bed and breakfast.
3: Look, I got one crazy stepmom in here. I sure don't want more crazy stepmoms up in here.
2: <laughs> well, I do want to talk about this because I think we should at some point entertain um, conferences a little more, as well as maybe a cruise. I know there's a lady that does a cruise. Um, her I told you what's going to
3: happen in a step-parent cruise.
2: Yeah, all the men are going to wonder why all the women are drinking going, Not you! No. <laughs> David, let's not talk about that. I know what you're thinking.
3: <laughs> all right. Very good. Thanks, everybody, for listening to this episode. Don't forget to leave the review. And, and the comment. And all that good stuff. If you have any questions, then just email Lori. She'll tell you. <laughs> so I'll see you later.
1: <laughs> Bye